What's good, Sandals Church Online? It's your boy, Will Yee, here in the house. I'm joined today by the legendary Vivi Diaz. My goodness, man, we are so excited that you're here, and we just want to say welcome. Yes. We're glad that you're here with us no matter where you are, but that's kind of the beauty of it. Right. You guys are here joining us digitally, but the great thing about Sandals Church is you're joining us from wherever you're at, wherever, anywhere wherever. and everywhere, and that's what's great about the church and Sandals Church Anywhere. Yeah, no matter where you guys are joining us from today, we would love to reach out to you guys and get to know you more because we're family. We care about you guys. Yeah, and if you did not know, at Sandals Church, we're about the vision of being real. And so today, if this is your first time or maybe you're just here and dropped in after yeah. a while or just want some help or yeah. prayer or community, we would love to connect with you. And yeah. so we'd love to connect with you at sandalschurch.com next, where we're gonna have a real person ready to reach back out to yeah. you. And feel free to let us know how you're doing in the chat box. The chat box is a great feature to get shout outs, to connect with us as well too. And let us know where you're tuning in from so we can help you guys feel like we're right there, a part of the service with you guys. That's right. And that's just one way where we live out that vision yep. of being real. Absolutely. Let us know how you're doing, if you're excited or not, because all being real means is you don't have have to pretend you can show up and know that you're going to be met by real people and by God and yeah. we are so excited that you're here absolutely love that baby another way we carry out that vision guys is through prayer praying with each other praying together as well so after our 8 15 a.m service feel free to join us on our Sandals Church Facebook page or our very own online campus pastor Jeff Y will be praying for you guys and we'd love to see you guys there so right now let's go ahead and let's get our hearts Woo! ready with some worship we are so glad that you're joining us see you guys
Hello and welcome to Sandals Church Online. My name is Morgan and I love getting to be a part of this global family. Hey, if you're new here, I wanna welcome you to a church that's all about being real. So many of you watching have kids in your home and if that's you, we wanna let you know that we are here to help you lead your kids into knowing more about living a real life with Jesus. And one of the ways we've done that is with our online kids service made just for them. You can help them find that now or after this service by going to kids.sandalschurch.tv. And if you're a part of our Sandals Church Anywhere locations, which is a gathering of your community having church right in your home, we could not be more excited that you've decided to bring the Sandals Church experience to your neighbors and family and friends. You truly bring this vision of being real to the people you know. 
Okay, here with another message from our When in Rome series is our Palm Avenue campus pastor, Fredo Ramos. is good sandals church it is an honor to be with you today as we continue in our series when in rome now if you're joining us for the first time we've been going through the book of romans and really asking this question of what does it look like for us to be following jesus in a culture that doesn't and we find ourselves again for another week in romans chapter 8 and paul in this particular passage is going to help us understand about the power of the mind because our minds, man, they are a powerful tool in our lives. And, and a lot of our lives are dictated by our mind. In other words, you can think of it like this. The state of your mind is often also the state of your life. And for so many of us, uh, we're distracted. Our minds are at capacity. Uh, we feel just overloaded. Uh, when you go home from work, it's still hard just to kind of shut off your brain and just disconnect long enough to rest. And our minds are all over the place. And for Paul, as he talks about this in Romans 8, this is a matter of life and death. In other words, what your mind is set on will determine the outcome of your life. The state of your mind is the state of the life that you are in and living. And so we need this word from Romans 8. And so let's read together and hear what God has to say to us today from this chapter. The Apostle Paul says this, starting there in verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. For the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness." This is God's word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we gather, we acknowledge now in this moment that you have gathered with us too. And so God, would you speak to us from your word? Would you open up our hearts? God, open up our minds, open up our bodies to receive this word from you so that our minds might be able to be set on you and the the eyes of our hearts would be able to look at Jesus and find life today. Would you do that in us and through us by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we begin our time. I want to ask you guys this real simple question, and it's this. What have you been setting your mind on this week? What have you been setting your mind on this week? And to what degree is what are you thinking about is it actually leading you to life? Is it leading you to comfort? Or is it leading you to stress, fear, or worry? 
What have you been setting your mind on this week? You see, this is an important question for us to consider because the mind, as Paul says, governs the whole life. In other words, whatever captures our thoughts will eventually at some point begin to control our lives. And this is the path that Paul kind of lays before us. You are either living in accordance with the Spirit and as a result experiencing life and peace, or you are living in accordance with the flesh, with the self, with the sinful desires, and you will ultimately find death there. There's only two paths that Paul presents here. Flesh and spirit, life and death. I can't help myself but think of uh, the movie The Matrix. <laughs> when I read Paul here, I, I'm reminded of this young hero, the young hero Neo, who's meeting with Morpheus. And Morpheus, as he's trying to explain to him the world that he's inviting him into, offers him two pills, the blue pill or the red pill. And he says, you can take the blue pill and just go to sleep and wake up to this life you think you're actually living, or you can take the red pill and continue in Wonderland and see how far the rabbit hole goes. In a very similar way, Paul is saying, you have two choices before you, life in the spirit or life in the flesh. And depending on what you choose will determine the kind of life that you experience. So here's our first thought for us. We are becoming whatever has our attention. That's what Paul is wanting us to see. We are becoming whatever it is that has your attention, which is why it's important for you to think about what has your mind been on lately? And what kind of life is it leading you to experience? Because whatever your attention is on, that is exactly the kind of person you are becoming. We cannot escape this. Paul says this there in Romans 5, I'm sorry, Romans 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, that phrase is important, live according to. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that this is not just a kind of one-time thing, but this is a habit. This is a pattern. This is a way of life. In other words, your lifestyle is dictated by what your mind is set on, what's controlling your thoughts, what's captivating your mind, what's, what's got your imagination going. Whatever you're preoccupied with will set the direction in the course of your life. Our habits are dictated often by what we are thinking most about. Now, this is crazy for our world today, because if, if it is the case that we are becoming whatever our attention is on, then we need to also realize that everyone wants our attention. Everyone is after our attention, absolutely everything, right? People today uh, refer to the world we live in as an attention economy. In other words, what is bought and sold at the highest price is your attention and my attention. That's the world we live in. To help explain that, just think about your smartphone. Uh, a journalist a few years ago said that our smartphones don't really work for us, we work for them. And he gave an example of what this actually means for you to work for your smartphone. Think about all of your favorite apps and then ask the question, why are these things free? Because you and I are not the customer. You're not the consumer. You actually are the product. We're the product. And what's being bought and sold is not just our data, our personal information, our preferences, but our attention. And they fight for our attention by the way that they are able to distract us with things. We live in an attention economy. And not only are we just pulled constantly by what to look at or what to investigate, but at the same time, it's, it's creating within us the, the inability to hold our attention. In other words, because it's pulled everywhere, we can't keep our attention. 
And a few years ago, Microsoft caught on to this. They said that the human attention, especially in America, the average person can hold their attention for eight seconds. That's crazy. Just think about that. Some of you guys know that. Some of your spouses know that, right? <laughs> you barely can keep their attention for eight seconds. Now, they said two decades ago, it used to be upwards of like 12 seconds. Now, someone took this article from Microsoft, and they ran with it, and they said, the goldfish, y'all, the goldfish can hold their attention for nine seconds. <laughs> Which means we're, we, as the human race, are failing at being able to hold our attention because we are in an attention economy, which everyone is wanting and everyone is pulling for it. And at the same time, we are losing our ability to hold it together. That's the problem we find ourselves in. Now, we have to at least begin to ask the question, man, if, in fact, our minds really are, are the doorways to our souls, then we have to consider, man, what is all our time being given to? Because it's going through somewhere, and it's doing something to us. Man, I don't know about you, but, but I'm embarrassed. Every Sunday morning, I'll be at church, and my iPhone will remind me of what my screen time looked like that week. And it said, you were down 4%. And I won't tell you the number about how much I was on my phone. <laughs> but I'll see that notification, and I'm like, man, I got, I got a family, a wife, I got a full-time job. And yet I'm still spending the amount of hours I am on my screen. I can't believe it. Man. But man, distraction, when you really think about it, distraction and, and giving ourselves to our devices really is the drug of our choice. Now, now, you may not think of yourself as compulsive or addictive, but man, one of the ways that we deal with what we can't handle in life is to just be distracted, to escape. Distraction is the drug of our choice. And, and, and this happens whether you like it or not. We kind of just stumble into it. This happened to me Monday. Monday, I'm going into work. I'm thinking to myself, man, what am I going to say for this message on setting our minds on things? And I pull into work, and I see no other cars in the parking lot. No one else is at Sandals Ridge Palm Avenue. What a dream. So I pull in. <laughs> I know that's weird to say as a pastor, but it's just how it was. <laughs> None of my staff is there, so I pull in. I get the best parking spot. I go up into the office. I sit down at the desk. I don't even have to put my AirPods in because, again, no one's in the office. And so I'm thinking, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this whole teaching done in one day. So I sit down. I put my, uh, my phone on the desk. I start playing Apple Music, just shuffling through something that, you know, gets me in the mood. And I come across a song that I've never heard before. I'm like, oh, that's a great track. What is this? And so, of course, I just want to stay typing. So I say, hey, Siri, what's this song? And Siri, as helpful as she is, says, I don't know what you said. Can you say it again? I'm like, come on, I just, what's the name of the song? And still didn't pick it up. So I just, I grabbed my phone, and I guess the way I grabbed my phone uh, didn't unlock it, it just sent me to the camera. And it sent me to the camera with the, with the camera lens flipped over, so I immediately saw my own face. And it was reminded that it was Monday, by the way, I looked. <laughs> and I'm like, my goodness. And I just, I scroll out of that, I get to the place, I find the, I find the song, I'm like, oh, this is great, add it to my playlist put the phone down, and right when I put the phone down, I get another notification from Instagram. Anthony Davis has gone live on Instagram. Now, he is the starting center for the defending champion, Los Angeles Lakers, <laughs> if you did not know. And so I see the notification, Anthony Davis, IG Live. And I think to myself, I'd like to know what he's doing. <laughs> so I open it. I go IG Live. And I'm like, oh, man, AD's in the locker room. Look at this. He's in the Lakers locker room. I'd love to be in the Lakers locker room right now. He's walking around, he's smiling, his, his unibrow looks amazing. <laughs> and I'm just fascinated with him. And, and what, what gets even better is that he walks up to his locker and he starts showing everyone his shoes. 
So there's 20,000 people on Instagram Live watching Anthony Davis just kind of show off his shoes. And then he starts to ask us, y'all tell me what I should wear tomorrow night. And so like an idiot, I'm like, ooh, wear the black ones. <laughs> like as if he's gonna actually see my comment from 20,000 people caring about his shoes. And I'm so into this, I love it. I'm like, man, Anthony Davis showing off his shoes. These are shoes I got too. And, but then he goes to his teammates, so it gets better. He starts showing off their shoes and where they're seated. And I'm like, man, this is great. I get an inside look into his life. And at some point, you know, he's like, man, I got to go. I got a meeting to go. Thanks for jumping on. I'll see you all later. I'm like, oh, yeah, good point. I probably should get back to it. So IG Live ends, set my phone down, and then immediately have a thought. I wonder how much some of those shoes cost. So I grab my phone again, like most of us would probably do. I start searching the market. How much are some of these shoes? And I'm amazed. Like, man, I used to own these shoes as a kid. I should have kept them. I start beating myself up. Like, look how much these kids are selling these shoes for. It's blowing my mind. I know this means nothing to you guys, but I live for this kind of stuff. <laughs> I live for this. And I scroll down as I keep looking at the shoe prices, and then, of course, I see a headline to an article that says the real story behind Kobe. And this is pure clickbait. Because I'm like, well, I know Kobe's story. There's nothing to hide, but I click it anyways. Then I open this story. And of course, it's one of those clickbait articles where when you get to the next screen, you don't even get the article. You just get 50 ads, right? <laughs> you have to keep scrolling down to the red bottom button that says next. And I don't do that because I'm stuck at looking at what the headline of the next article is, which is cockroaches have higher IQ than men. <laughs> so I don't even get the Kobe article. It's not even an article on him. It's about cucarachas having a higher IQ than men. I'm, a, I'm, I'm bothered by this. And I'm like, what is going on? So I just, I just turn the whole thing off. I set the phone down. And I look at the time. I have lost 30 minutes. <laughs> 30 minutes. Uh, in the moment of me trying to write a sermon on our attention, <laughs> I've lost 30 minutes in, in such an easy, simple way. And of course, I hear the gate open and a staff member's pulling in. So my whole time of just being alone is completely gone. Now, here's the thing. That, that's an embarrassing thing. It's a true thing. But I say that not because I, I think we got to just all of a sudden just cancel everything with our, with our devices, right? Like, I, I love Apple Music. I, I can't survive without knowing what the weather's going to be like today. Um, I need maps because I get lost constantly, even when I know where we're going. Like, I, I need these things, right? And so the call here, I don't think, is just to completely do away with all of it. But at some level, we got to ask ourselves, if in fact our mind is the doorway or the pathway into our soul, what is that doing to us based on our attention and what we are thinking about? Because we are becoming exactly whatever it is that our attention is on. And now Paul says that life and peace come to those who set their minds on the desires of the Spirit. Notice that phrase there. He doesn't mean, you know, if you're just constantly thinking about religion, then you're going to feel good. Nor is he saying if you just keep reading Christian books or you read theology, right? He said he, he's saying set your mind on what the Spirit desires. In other words, the person who experiences life in peace is the person who asks the question, God, what do you desire? It's very similar to the prayer of Jesus. Listen to how he teaches his disciples to pray from Matthew chapter 6. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the person whose mind is set on what the Spirit desires 
is a person who can say, God, what do you desire in this moment? As I go into work, as I deal with this relationship, as I deal with this task, as I open this email, as I call this person, as I move to this next part of my life, what do you desire? Your kingdom come, your will be done. The person whose mind is set on the flesh is someone who says, my kingdom come and my will be done. And not our father, but me. Hallowed be my name and my wants, my kingdom come, my will be done. So two different ways. And Paul's invitation, ultimately God's invitation, is that we would set our minds on the things of the Spirit, what God desires. And the reason why we should do this secondly now is this. We set our minds on God because, listen now, his mind is set on us. We set our minds on God because his mind is set on you. In other words, we give our attention to God because God has already given us his full attention. Everything we could want from God, we have from him. And this is how we know that he has given us his spirit. Right? Romans 8 is this massive declaration that you can live life to the fullest as you live life in the spirit of God. And God loves to give us himself. He loves to give us the best part of him so that when we're at our worst, God gives us his best. That's what it means for God to gift us the Holy Spirit. And so the argument that Paul is making in Romans 8, that your better life is not necessarily found in you and I having more stuff and less problems, but the better life is found in living and being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the call and the invitation for all of us. And so if you're wondering, well, how, how do we know God has, you know, his attention on us? He gives us his spirit. His spirit is with us. As Paul continues here in verses 8 and 9, those who are in the realm of the flesh, in other words, the environment or the world of the flesh, your selfish desires, you cannot please God like that. You, however, notice what he says, you're not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm, you're in the environment, you're in the life of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Now, this is an interesting phrase. Paul is basically saying, uh, you are in the spirit if the spirit is in you. That sounds kind of backwards. You're in the spirit if the spirit is in you. In other words, what I think Paul is saying is Christianity is full idiot proof. <laughs> in other words, you have the spirit of God and more importantly, the spirit of God has you. And man, thank God for that. Because there are days where you and I we don't feel it. We don't think about God. We don't care about God. We are so unaware of the presence of his spirit, but thank God he still has us. So you may not walk and feel like you are in the spirit, but the spirit is holding on to you. Christianity is idiot proof, and thank God, man. And I say this because some of you, maybe you, you walked into church today and you feel like your life is so wrecked. Listen, Romans 8 says God is for you in Christ, and he is here for you. And you are exactly the kind of person that he loves to give his spirit to. And so if you're asking, man, what, what help does God have for someone like me? Everything. Himself. He wants to give you himself. And so the invitation to set our minds on God is met because his mind is set on us. But not only that, look how he continues this discuss, discussion in verse 10. But if the Christ, I'm sorry, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. 
Notice how he's changed from talking about the Holy Spirit to the Spirit of Christ. Interesting. In this whole discussion of Romans 8, you see Paul, the author, go back and forth between talking about God, the Spirit, and the Son. This is Trinity power we're talking about. The fullness of God in our life. Because God is one, yet in three persons. And so to have the Father is to have the Son. To have the Spirit in your life is to have the Son of God in your life too. And this is a promise that Paul is saying, Christ is in you. And notice how honesty is about life, even though your body is subject to death. Man, we feel that. We know that in some very, very real ways. Even uh, just going home the last several days, uh, on my way home, one of the routes I take, I, I drive by a cemetery. And every day, especially since Mother's Day last weekend, there have been just crowds of people at the cemetery. Crowds of them. Flowers everywhere, balloons everywhere, little arches everywhere, services happening almost around the clock, it feels like. Man, we are a culture that is very aware of death and what we've lost. But the promise here of Romans 8 is that everything we lose in this world matters to God. Everything we lose matters to God. Everything that is taken away from you and me in death matters to God, and it will be given back to us through the Spirit. In other words, all that was taken from you will be resurrected and given back to you. God cares about your body. He cares about everything you and I have lost. If cancer has taken it, if a drunk driver has taken life, if a genetic disorder has taken life, it doesn't matter. All of it will be given back to you. And the guarantee, the promise of that is the spirit living inside of us. In other words, what Paul is saying, the closer you and I walk towards death, the more alive in the resurrection we become. Death is just a doorway, Paul is saying, into a life that is fully charged with beauty and love and wonder. And the hope for us to hold that right now is the Holy Spirit inside of us. Is the Holy Spirit confirming in our hearts that you're okay and that you are held by God. You see, what we begin to understand as we think about God having his attention on us and God having his mindset on us is this first thought, that we are just not in Christ, but also that Christ is in us. We're in Christ, man. We're safe in Jesus, but also Jesus is in us. Jesus is in us, man. The miracle of your everyday life is that Jesus is in your everyday life. That is an astounding thing to consider, that at every moment, he is in you and with you. But our problem is that we are so distracted by other things. And, and often, man, we, we often start looking for God and searching for God based on where we think he should be and not where he actually is. Christ is in us. And, and the modern everyday miracle is to wake up with Jesus living inside of you and Jesus being with you. In the most mundane situations, the miracle of your life and my life is that God resides in us and he's with us. I mean, what a truth we need to, to teach ourselves, to teach everyone we know. I mean, just, just last week uh, on Mother's Day, uh, my wife Ashley is hosting with me at Palm Avenue. And so it's like an event to make sure she's there on time with our kids. <laughs> and she's there on time, which is beautiful, man. My, man, she's super, super, super mom. Um, but as she gets there, I'm like relieved, great, she's here on time, we can start service. 
the kids are coming with her, and, and she says, uh, as she's walking with me into the sanctuary, she says, you, you would not believe what Ella said this morning as we're leaving. It's like, what did she say? And she said, well, as we're walking out the door, our dog Jordy is following us. And Ella turns around to Jordy and says, Jordy, you can't come to church. You need to stay. And then she said, but it's okay, Jordy. You can stay here with Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, what a statement. And then there was this pause and she looked at Jordy again and said, Jordy, don't bite Jesus. <laughs> don't bite Jesus. And man, I, I love, I love that because in so many, in so many ways, there are there, man, like as a dad, I am not raising my kids the way I would hope to. And by that I mean, like, I'm not trying to be hard on myself, but like I'd love to see them pray more, to read more, and I gotta guide them through that. But I am so encouraged just knowing that already in Ella's imagination, she's thinking about Jesus being with her all the time. Jesus is with her. And I got to hold on to that as a dad because at some point, she's going to go places where I can't go with her. She's going to make decisions that I can't be there to help her make. But Jesus can. Jesus is in her. That's a hope that, that frees me up to not be having my mind preoccupied but my mind understanding that she's in and being held by Jesus himself. But not only that, man, this, this teaching also shows us that the Holy Spirit gives us God's undivided time. Think about that. The, the Holy Spirit being with you means that you have God's undivided time. At any moment, at, on any day, because the Spirit is with you, God's got time for you. Not only that, the Holy Spirit gives us God's undivided attention. These are the gifts to have the Holy Spirit. I mean, and, and think about it like this in your relationships. Like the people I think that you and I feel most loved by are the people who slow down long enough to give us time and attention. When you ask someone, man, can you meet with me? Can we talk through this? And they say, yes, I'd love to give you my time. And then in that moment of them giving you their time, they give you their attention as well. I mean, you feel so loved in that moment. You know, for us, though, uh, in our common relationships, we're, we're so just kind of confident in our distractions that we'll be talking to each other and at the same time answering notifications on our phone. Like, it's just become socially appropriate and common to be in a conversation and at the same time be distracted by what notification just came in. We do this all the time. I do this all the time. But the Holy Spirit gives to us both God's undivided time and attention. We can set our minds on him you guys, because his mind is set on us. Now, if that's the case, let's think as we close, how, how does this actually work itself out in our lives? In other words, practically speaking, in my everyday fast-paced life, how do I slow down so that I can set my mind on the things of the Spirit? Two practices as we close. Number one, we need to practice stillness before God. Practice stillness before God. I know you're coming into church saying, man, I'm being told at church I got to be still. Yes. Practice stillness before God. Listen to David from Psalm 16, one of my favorite psalms. He says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Listen to this now. Even at night, my heart instructs me. For I keep my eyes always on the Lord. 
With him at my right hand, I will never be shaken. Notice that tone. He says, you alone are my portion. In other words, what sustains me is you. What holds my life, what gives me life is you. Even at night, as my heart instructs me, I keep my eyes on you. In other words, David is saying in prayer, I'm looking at you, God. I'm looking towards you. You know, Diedrich Bonhoeffer said that when it comes to our days, we should be silent at the beginning of the day because God should have the first word. And we should be silent before going to sleep because the last word also belongs to God. Imagine what this week would look like for any one of us if we began our day first hearing a word from God and at the end of the day hearing once again a word from God. And you know what that word is? That you are loved and cared for. How might our mindset change? How might we begin to handle our distractions differently if, if we embraced this kind of practice of being still, slowing down? And I'm using the word stillness here because I want you to consider that, man, this is not a kind of prayer in which like you just bring your laundry list to God. Like here's everything, God, the boyfriend, the house, the in-laws, the problems. No, stillness before God is just sitting there not asking anything from God and knowing that God is not asking anything from you. It's just a moment for you to be and to be with God. That's a stillness kind of prayer, knowing that you are looking at God and God is looking at you. You see, this kind of prayer is a way of attending to God as God attends to you. Where you expect nothing and neither does he. You're just still before him and you just sit there. And you give this uh, to him in your, in your first moments of the day. You give this to him in the first day of the week. That's why we kind of gather on Sundays. We worship. It's a way to give to God this, this first moment, this first week. We do this in all kinds of practical ways. Now, I know, though, over time, this can feel a bit strange. Like, even, even for me, man, stillness is, is something that I have, like, a love-hate relationship with. I love stillness because it, it's helpful for me to slow down and to breathe and, and to understand that I've got to carry everything on my own. But at the same time, prayer and stillness is so hard for me because I'm always wondering, like, did I do it right? And, and I constantly ask God this question, God, is this enough? Am I doing this right? And this question for almost my entire Christian life has just kind of haunted me through all kinds of prayer, whether I'm like actually speaking or I'm just being still, there's always a subtle thought of like, God, am I doing this right? Like, are you good with this? And even just last night, the, the Spirit, as I was wrestling through this point, the Holy Spirit just clearly said to me, the question you should be asking is not, am I doing this right? Or is this what you want, God? The question you should be asking is, am I what you want? Am I what you want? Because in prayer and in the prayer of stillness, the answer from God is yes. The point of prayer is that you would be reminded and experience that God just wants you. He just wants you. And in stillness, there's this reception, this giving and taking of just love and presence. And over time, that changes us. In the same way that when we're distracted on our screen, the more we go to it, the more we need it, the same with stillness. The more you go to it, the more you need it. The more it enlarges your soul and enlarges your heart, so much so that you begin to have a desire for it. You guys, we can all, no matter where you're at in life, 
whether you're 16 or going on 60 as a Christian, you can practice stillness before God. Just a few moments of your day, five minutes of just, God, I'm going to be with you. God, I'm going to sit here with you. Would you move inside of me? The second practice that I think we need to consider is the practice of saying no by God's Spirit. You see, so much of our attention, so much of our preoccupation on, uh, in our minds is because we cannot say no. And we say yes to so much. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff out there. The, the, the internet, media, there is a ton of anything you want. There is so much of it. But the danger is we lose our ability to actually say no. And Paul's invitation at the end of Romans 8 here is to say no by the Spirit. Notice what he says there. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it is not an obligation to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, take note of this, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Notice he says there's an obligation. Now, I know we don't like that word. What do you mean I'm obligated? I'm, I'm obligated to do something? But Paul says your obligation, in other words, your, your debt is not to the flesh. Your debt is to God. But, but notice what he says at the end. You're a child of God. Wait, so how, how are we obligated to obey if we're already children, right? That's what we need to be reminded of. In other words, our obligation, our duty to obey is not in order to be loved, but because we already are loved. That's what he means by obligation. You are a child, and so live out and live into that relationship you have already. You're obligated to obey because you already have acceptance, not because you're working for it. You're already loved. And so the desire to obey, the, the ability to say no, not by our own strength, but what does he say? By the Spirit comes because we are already accepted and loved. But notice the language he uses, though. Put to death the misdeeds of the body. This is violent. This is not you and I trying to manage our sin or just trying to be at peace with our sin. And so a question we need to ask ourselves right now is, what sin in my life? It's not a question of if, but what sin in my life have I made peace with that the Holy Spirit right now is calling me to put to death? Not by my abilities, but by his. What sin have you made peace with? Because the invitation is to put it to death. And you do so by saying no. You see, what I think this can look like as we think about our obligation to God, it's an obligation that is motivated by love. It's an obligation that is motivated by gratitude as we consider what God has done. We are his children, Paul says. Those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. And so as you approach your decision-making and consider that you're obligated by the power of the Spirit to say no so that you can say yes to him, it can look like this. When you are faced with the choice to either be generous or stingy, remember that in the gospel, God was generous to you. And you have an obligation by the Spirit to choose generosity over greed. When you're faced with a decision to, to either pray for someone or gossip about them, remember that you have an obligation because in the gospel, God only says good words about you. He only says good things about you so that you can now, by the Spirit, say no to gossip 
and yes to praying for that individual. When we're faced with the the choice or the decision to speak on the behalf of the needy, be reminded that you are obligated by the gospel that says God loves the needy and God died for the needy. You and I are the needy ones. You now have an obligation by the Spirit to say no to your own comfort and yes to being aware about how you can care for the needs of those who are going without. Even if you're married, you're faced with that decision to either be faithful to your spouse or to please your flesh. You have an obligation in the gospel that says God was faithful to you even to the point of death on a cross so that now you can, by the power of the Spirit, choose faithfulness over pleasure. This is what it looks like on practical levels for us to practice saying no by the power of the Spirit. Because anytime you give yourself a yes or you give it to someone else, you're inevitably saying no to other things. And God's hands are open right now in saying, you are invited to live life with me. But you've got to set something down. Right now, we have got to confess the sin that we are at peace with in our lives. Because the temptation, I think, for all of us, and this is, I think, kind of how Satan works, man. Satan generally tempts us with things that we already have. Think about the garden. Adam and Eve. If you eat this, you will be like God. Well, they already were like God. They were made in his image. They were already like God. Uh, Even in the desert, Satan comes to Jesus as he's fasting and drawing close to his father before his mission in life. Satan says, you can have the kingdoms. Jesus already owns the kingdoms. You can eat bread. Just turn this rock to it. I already am satisfied in the Lord. He says, you can fall over the cliff. Just worship me. I already know I'm held. You see, Satan's best move is to tempt you and I with something we already have in the gospel. If he's trying to offer you wealth, you're already wealthy in Jesus. If he's trying to offer you some kind of comfort, some kind of security, you already have what you received in Jesus. And when we practice saying no, what we're doing is reminding ourselves of what we already have to say yes to. And so Sandals Church, as we close, I'm going to ask that as we pray, you would be thinking about what sin have you made peace with? Because imagine for just a moment that the sin that you've made peace with is what is causing your mind to be so preoccupied, so stressed out, so over the top, just like your capacity is done. And the invitation for for us today as a church is to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Set our mind on God because his mind is already set on you. Let's do that together as we pray. Father, would you move by the power of your spirit right now to lead us to confession? Would you help us to, by the power of your spirit, put to death the sin in our lives that we are trying to manage so that our minds might be freed, just a little bit more freed from distractions and given over to walking with you? God, would you help us to be still with you, to slow down with you, Would you do this so that we might better see Jesus as our Savior and might be more committed to him in our lives? We pray these things in his name.
Amen. What an incredible reminder for us that no matter what may have our attention, God's attention is always on us. I'm so thankful that you've chosen to stop for a moment and spend this time hearing from God and focusing on Him. As a mom of three kids under four, I understand how hard that can be. But as Pastor Fredo mentioned, times like this of stopping and hearing from God are often what our soul needs the very most. Hey, this week, I want to invite you to take time intentionally to stop and be still with God, maybe even allowing these times to help you see those things that have been occupying your mind or that sin that you've made peace with. If you're not sure where to start, we are here to help you. Right at the bottom of the message notes in the Sandals Church app is a personal reflection guide, which is our way of guiding you through this time to stop and be still with God every week. And if you're looking for more, we've created the growth path. This is your personalized guide to not only take steps in a community here at Sandals Church, but also to guide you into engaging more deeply with God. You can find all of this right in the Sandals Church app. We want to let you know that last Friday we held our annual youth conference here in Southern California and we were able to feature it online for the very first time. We're excited to share that over 1,000 teenagers attended in person and over 400 teens joined us here online, which means over 1,400 people worshiped God, danced for Jesus, hung out with leaders who care about them, and heard powerful messages of hope and how they can live a better life with Christ. All of that happened on a Friday night. We don't just say that we care about the next generation, but we are backing that up with events and multiple opportunities each week so that teens can grow in their relationship with Christ as we help prepare them to then lead in the future. And if you give to Sandals Church, you helped us put on this conference and you help us pour into the next generation every week. Thank you for giving and thank you for making a difference both now and into the future. If you would like to partner with us, then you can do that right now or at any time by giving on the Sandals Church app or by going to give.sc. Hey, online family, thank you so much for being here. And remember, if you need live prayer, live prayer happens every third Sunday after the 8.15 a.m. service on the Sandals Church Facebook page. We hope to see you next week. Take care.